Welcome back to the Christopher Gabinator Show. And this morning we're going to be listening. I'm going to be watching and drawing, etc. And you'll be listening to Gone Girl, a movie that Amber Heard must have tried out for but not gotten because... The disturbing similarities are too numerous. In fact, you can check out uh, one of the last podcasts I did about disturbing similarities with the with Gone Girl, Amber Turd, Miss Turd, and disturbing similarities of Gone Girl to her strategy for trying to destroy her. Husband, our hero, my beef, BF, my beef, my beef, um, Johnny Deep. So let's go. This is cool. Like, uh, Bono's walking down the street with a giraffe. That's kind of cool. Okie doke. Alright, so this is uh, on Daily Motion. I found it. Blu ray on YouTube. Daily motion. Actually, this is the second time that um, I found something on daily motion that I was unable to find elsewhere. So, let's see, Gaff. It stars uh, Ben Affleck and Rosamond. Rosamond. Um, oh, yo, oops. Yipes, 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 no, not Subaru, Gone Girl, that's what I want, I want, and I want some volume, where's the volume? Not Subaru, but it's two and a half hours long, so we doing some other things. And it's kind of describing the scene. As necessary. 20th Century Fox. What the hell? like that, eh? It's in the middle of the day and this is stupid-ass uh, American Wi-Fi. Fuck yourself, American Wi-Fi. Stupid-ass American Wi-Fi. Can't do shit. Can't do shit with American wi Oh my god. Really, you're gonna fucking make us go through this shit? When I think of my wife, I always think of her head. Picture cracking her lovely skull, unspooling her brains, trying to get answers. The primal questions of any marriage. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? She's thinking about killing you, and she's feeling murderous, probably. What a 
silence with another excruciating story by Margot Dunn. Let's see, I can tell you about my recent customer service experience, changing internet service providers. I like that one. Or how about the time I saw that woman who looked exactly like my friend Monica, but it wasn't Monica, it was a total stranger. It was Excuse also me. named Monica. Made it kind of interesting. It's great. Doppelganger. I'm just having a bad day. Annie? It's our anniversary. Five years. Five? I came fast. I'm furious. I'm so crazy, stupid, happy. I'm the boy. A great, Get. sweet, gorgeous, Get. cool guy. Excuse me, please. I just want you to be careful when you put down that uh, one food Belgian wheat beer. So the party's had like three beef slices and a body cover. Might attract some desperate characters. So, I mean, the Amish run on this crazy. They already believe me, my artist on meat platter. Finally. Someone tells me how to pronounce that word. Me? Yes, meat. One syllable. Thank you. Who's beer in my last drink? Don't tell me. Let's see, who's your type? I don't see you sitting quietly while you blow your tongue's postgrad these about proust. Uh-oh. I'm ironic if you're so self-aware it makes a good joke. I prefer men who are funny. Shit, I can't hear what they're saying. Okay, Corn-fed, salt of the earth, Missouri, guys. Missouri. Mm-hmm. Cute. Mm, native New Yorker. World ends at the Hudson. What's your name? Amy. 
seconds okay anyway so um thanks for shooting in share my shit call congress wear a mask <clears throat> what another ad anyway so i recognize you i recognize you Last year, she got so mad about When your poor Amy has a cold, this dessert just must be sold. The answer? I still don't know the answer, though. Two years ago, you didn't know. Two years ago, it was fun. Year one, is this me with the paper. She got me a beautiful notebook. I'm going to go write my novel. What did you get her? Type. She got a full Okay. Year four, flowers. She led me outside to the dying rose bush in the backyard. Ugh, that's symbolic. What's the gift for five? Wood. So would you get her? There's no good gift for wood. I know. 
Go home, fuck her brains out, slap her with your penis. There's some wood for you, bitch. Bar. <laughs> Why, yes, hang on one second. Hey, let's watch for love. Hey, Walt, what's going on? Oh, thanks very much. I'll be right there. All right, bye bye. table overturned or something on the, in the living room. Hello? Morning. Hey. Mr. Dunn? Hi. I'm Detective Rhonda Boney, this officer. Detective has a coffee, really? Concerns about your wife? I don't know where my wife is, and I came home to this. It's uh, I don't panic easily, but it's weird, right? Mind if we look around? Please. How long have you been here? Two years in September. We used to live in New York. Sadie? Yeah, I was a writer. We were both writers. More power. Hi, yo. No commercials, man. Oops. Oh, shit. No. Oh, man. Shit. Okay, and stand. Okay, uh, silence. silence. Okay, so yeah, call Congress 202-224-3121 and demand insurrection charges against Mr. T. Rump and his accomplices uh, for January 6th insurrection. Welcome back to the show. from the kettle. Now for work. My sister Margaret and I 
remember the bar downtown? Well, the bar. Love the name. Very meta. Pretty things. <laughs> the toilet flush. What the fuck is that voice? Thing. Garbage truck backing up. My hub. What the hell? Husband's snoring. It's what I heard. It's what I heard. It's what I heard. That There's a cat on the bed. Day I got my hearing aids. Find your beautiful sounds at hearinglife.com. There's a fucking um, commercial somewhere. Motherfucker. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. I smell like horse shit, but I don't have a horse. Okay. Officer. Beautiful dress. Officers don't do say that shit. Date night. It's our anniversary. It's so dark in there. Room on the end. I checked up here. This is the kitchen, obviously. That was like a sticky note on it. This is the, uh, Wife's office. His office. It's kind of blurry. Volleyball? 
I got caught in freshman year. She made varsity. Where'd you have a dog? She got the dog. Puddles made her more relatable. Wow. I love your parents, but they really could be assholes. Nick. Sir. Hey, thanks for coming. No problem. Hey, sweetheart. Big night for your mom. It means so much if you would talk to a few reporters, bloggers, give them a little Amy color. People want to hear from you. We can't stay long. Fantastic. 15 minutes. She kind of looks like... This is why I have my brows tied. My house is fine right now. I can't complain. Your parents literally plagiarized your childhood. No, they improved upon it. Then peddled it to the masses. I thought you were going to wear white to match the wedding. I thought that would be creepy. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing. Hold on. I know how this sounds. Don't, don't tell me. It's yeah, very good, Nick. And you know what it might do this night. I love him. He's trying to recognize caps. I'm curious whether it's difficult for you to see Amazing Amy heading down behind. And this big party celebrating this fictional wedding? Because it's my understanding you are not married. Is that correct? Correct. Amazing Amy has always been one. Just step back. Excuse me. Sorry, I just... A few questions. Good to see you. I'm here, strictly journalistic capacity. Now, you had the distinct pleasure of dating Nick Dunn for how long? Two magical years. Magical years. Of course, at that time, you had the opportunity to perform such gracious gestures as not correcting me when he pronounced Kim Wise, Greenwood. An understandable mistake. He also thought it was a fiction. He thinks Bovita is a cheese. You also managed to appear shocked and delighted when Nick's elderly mother breaks into an impromptu rendition of New York, New York every time she's. It's bad of That's just fair. You also bought Nick his very first pair of scissors. I met you stayed there. Amy Elliott. You are more than amazing. You are brilliant yet entirely unsnobby. You challenged me. You surprised me. And fun fact for the readers, you have a world con. You have a what? What the fuck? Oh my god. Sucks. <laughs> now, my colleagues tell me that you are not yet married. Is that correct? What the fuck are they doing? And this stupid ass American Wi Fi, go fuck yourselves. Enough, enough. Stupid ass Americans. Stupid ass Americans for putting up with this shit. Crappy Wi Fi. How much did I spend on Wi Fi? The night wasn't so bad anymore. Guess they're gonna do a um, lie detector test on him now. Oh my god, I can't fucking believe this.
It's gonna last, take forever to this fucking podcast. Now, now, normally we would not treat this as the missing person the case so quick, but given the scene at your house and given our slack and violent crime of late, we are going to take this very, very seriously. Did she do an internet search, by the way? We've got forensics over at your place. You got somewhere to stay? Uh, what? Uh, yeah, I can stay at my sister's. Okay. We're tracking Amy's phone. Mr. B. Yeah, this fucking sucks. Crack cards, we will organize searches, put up flyers. Uh, We're going to hold a press conference tomorrow. Yeah, press conference. Yeah, we'll get word out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to. Uh, Doesn't feel like I'm out of law and now, uh, she doesn't see the essence in these cases, but that said, you want to wait and call a lawyer? Absolutely not. Just want to help. Okay, so you and Amy have been here two years. You 10 bar. I own the bar. I teach creative writing. No kids? Not yet. So. What does Amy do most days? Woman with all those degrees. What? Inspiring and shit. She's a voracious reader, so she's always got a book. Days can get long. I mean, I know a few housewives that eat. Jesus fucking Christ, really? Fucking pisses me off. Americans put up with this shitty Wi-Fi. Paper Unlimited, they, they in the cap it. And it constant, it's breaking down every fucking day. Fuck yourself. Kevin at DHS especially. And a glass, glass of wine starts coming at noon for prescription. Just last week we had a soccer mom. Nice lady. Got her teeth kicked in over some oxygen. Since that mall went bust half the time. Oh. Unbelievable. Not out of work. We cannot keep up with the drug mom. Um. Okay, we're starting over again. <laughs> Thank you.
This is a different version. Sophia, and now I'm going to talk about Gone Girl. I couldn't find uh, a copy that I didn't have to pay for, so here's a summary. On their fifth wedding anniversary, writing teacher Nick Dunn returns home to find his wife Amy missing. Her disappearance receives press coverage as Amy was the inspiration for her parents' popular Amazing Amy children's books. Detective Rhonda Boney finds poorly concealed evidence of a struggle in the house. Suspicion mounts around Nick, whose apathy is interpreted by the media as characteristic of a sociopath and even sows doubt in his twin sister Margot. Flashbacks reveal how Amy and Nick first met. Amy later revealed to Nick that Amazing Amy was a perfected version made up of the real Amy's failures. Their marriage disintegrated over time, both lost their jobs in the recession and moved from New York City to Nick's hometown of North Carthage, Missouri. Nick became lazy and distant and began cheating on Amy with Andy Fitzgerald, one of his students. Forensic analysis of the house uncovers cleaned bloodstains, indicating a probable murder. Boney unearths evidence of financial troubles, domestic disputes, and Amy's recent willingness to purchase a gun. Medical reports indicate that Amy is pregnant, of which Nick denies knowledge. Amy and Nick had played treasure hunt games on every wedding anniversary. This year's clues include profligate items purchased with Nick's card, as well as a diary highlighting Amy's growing isolation and ominously ending with the fear that Nick will kill her. Amy is revealed to be alive and well, having changed her appearance and gone into hiding in a campground in the Ozarks. Upon discovering Nick's affair, she concocted an elaborate plan to punish him by framing him for her murder and making the motive seem to be money. She fabricated a long-standing diary that was accurate in its early entries but later evolved into false accounts of spousal violence and her increasing fear of Nick. She befriended a pregnant neighbor, told her fake stories about Nick's temper, and stole her urine for the pregnancy test. She planted corroborating evidence of Nick's guilt in the clue spots for the treasure hunt for the police to find. Before disappearing, she drained her own blood, splattered it across the kitchen, and cleaned it haphazardly. She anticipated that Nick would be convicted and executed for her murder and contemplated committing suicide after his conviction. Nick deduces Amy's plan and convinces Margot of his innocence. He flies to New York and meets Tanner Bolt, a lawyer known for representing men accused of killing their wives. Nick also meets Amy's ex-boyfriend Tommy O'Hara, who says that Amy had falsely accused him of rape, planting evidence around his house and forcing him to register as a sex offender to avoid jail. 
Nick approaches another ex-boyfriend, the wealthy Daisy Collins, against whom Amy previously filed a restraining order, but Daisy refuses to share any details. When Amy's campground neighbors rob her of her money, she calls Daisy for help, convincing him that she ran away from Nick's abuse. Daisy agrees to hide her in his lake house. After Andy reveals their affair at a press conference, Nick appears on a talk show professing his innocence and apologizing for his failures as a husband, in the hope of luring Amy. The show airs shortly before the treasure hunt clues land Nick arrested for murder. However, his performance rekindles Amy's feelings for him and modifies her plans. She uses Desi's surveillance cameras to her advantage, making it appear that Daisy kidnapped and raped her. She seduces Daisy, murders him with a box cutter, and returns home covered in his blood, clearing Nick of suspicion. When Boney probes into the holes in her story, Amy chastises her as incompetent. The FBI sides with Amy, forcing Boney to back down. Amy tells Nick the truth, saying that the man she watched pleading for her return on TV is the man she wants him to become again. Nick shares this with Boney, Bolt, and Margot, but they cannot prove Amy's guilt. Nick intends to leave Amy, but she reveals she is pregnant, having inseminated herself with Nick's sperm stored at a fertility clinic. Nick reacts violently to Amy's insistence that they remain married, but feels responsible for the child. Despite Margot's objections, he reluctantly decides to stay with Amy. The happy couple announces on television that they are expecting. Thank you all for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell notification for more of these videos. Well, there you go. I don't know who Boney is. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> Hollywood scandals that were covered up by Hollywood. So let's see here. Official trailer. Where's the official trailer? Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work. Not for me and Nick. As you all know, my wife, Amy Elliott Dunn, disappeared three days ago. I had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife. I had nothing to hide. Sammy got friends we can talk to? No, not really. You don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day, and you don't know your wife's blood type. It's being a good guy, so everybody can see him being a good guy. Well, you really don't like him, do you? All I'm trying to do is be nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. Have you seen that guy in the glasses before? Amy's the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. You want to solve Amy's treasure hunt? You seen this girl around here? Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the volunteer center. I wanted to help. What you want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared, but we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. Something. Listen to all the good stuff. Explore new worlds. Indulge in the drama. Uncover.
Gone Girl is David Fincher's eighth film and is one of his most absorbing ones. It's a murder mystery where it makes the viewer question if the lead character, Nick Dunn, killed his wife. The film does a great job at making us think any outcome is possible, and you'll find yourself changing your thoughts and opinions from scene to scene, only for the rug to be pulled out from beneath you later in the film. Spoiler alert, Amy Dunn didn't die at all. Amy just faked her death and framed her husband. This is something that would seem insane to almost everyone who doesn't know them personally, as from the outside looking in, their marriage must have looked perfect, but we know that that wasn't the case. Amy only frames Nick after suffering in that failed marriage of theirs and being cheated on. When she first married him, she would never expect him to cheat. After all, he was her perfect prince. Of course, she was wrong and catches him cheating. That's what marriage does, though. It reveals the true nature of the person you married. You will notice every flaw of your spouse, and you either deal with it because you love them despite those flaws, or you leave them or cheat on them. But in this film, Amy chooses a crazy fourth option. She fakes her murder and frames her husband. Amy clearly loved him at one point despite his flaws, so much so that she tries to be perfect for him. But the constant cheating and being treated poorly caused her to go crazy. I mean, getting a guy thrown in jail and possibly killed is in no way a fair trade-off for being a terrible spouse. The ending is great, as it highlights how a marriage can look perfect to the people outside the marriage. The public thinks Nick and his wife are back together happy, but in reality, Nick is trapped in that marriage. He wants to leave Amy, but he can't. This is perhaps the revenge she always wanted, to have him feel as trapped as she did all those years. Maybe her wish for a better life is a bluff. Do you agree with my explanation of Gone Girl? Comment down below if you do or don't. Neither Nick Nunn is good, but she is evil. Oh my god, that's a terrible picture of uh, uh, Vanessa Parody. Gone Girl. Earthling Cinema. Greetings and welcome to Earthling Cinema. I am your host, Garrix Wormuloid. This week's artifact is Gone Girl, directed by Being John Malkovich actor David Fincher and starring Argo and Gone Baby Gone director Rosamund Pike. The film follows Nick Well Done, a beefy earthling dish who comes home one day to find his wife Amy has gone AWOL, which stands for absent without leaving a note. The no-nonsense female detective finds evidence of a struggle and concludes without any nonsense that Amy was murdered. Audible gasp. That's audible.com slash gasp. Nick becomes the prime cut suspect because come on, look at his face. The detective also finds Amy's diary, but she refuses to read it because of the girl code. After everyone dicks around for a while, it's revealed that Amy has been alive all along, only on a Class 12 planet. She orchestrated the whole thing as a goof to get back at Nick for sentencing her to life in the Midwest and then cheating on her with blurred lines. 
Nick hires the fastest lawyer in the world, Usain Bolt, who advises him to go on television, a thriving medium that will definitely be around for a long time in an increasingly web-centric marketplace. Meanwhile, Amy is robbed in the jungle by some Mozarts and calls up her old stalker Barney to help hide her. And he does, because that guy is legend. Wait for it. This is of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. But then Amy sees Nick on TV and she likes him again, because he's famous. So she kills Barney and frames him for her kidnapping, letting Nick off Scott Peterson free. Amy now wants to rekindle Paperwhite the flame with Nick, which he's not exactly psyched about since he's more of a milkman. But too late, she artificially inseminated herself with his seed and the media will crucify him if he bails now. Moral of the story, don't get married. Gone Girl demonstrates how a well-constructed narrative can prevail over reality, even in a movie that couldn't manage a Best Picture mom. The film posits that 21st century humans are unwilling or unable to discern truth in the face of some juicy goss. I can't believe we haven't arrested this guy. We're not going to arrest anybody just because some blonde dunce says so. Amy's version of the events contain all the classic elements of a typical true crime program, including the violent husband, a turbocharged life insurance policy, and an ice-cold Pepsi twist, pregnancy. You need to package yourself so that people will truly mourn your loss. And America loves pregnancy. Early on, the film introduces the idea that people can be easily pigeonholed. Okay, green. Corn-fed salt of the earth, Missouri. Which is a tasty bit of foreshadowing, since Amy is a professional pigeonholer. I write personality quizzes for magazines. Just like a child with too much Play-Doh, the media molds Amy and Nick into a perfect wife. She was so innocent. And a full-fledged monster. The hallmark of a sociopath. Making a mess all over the living room carpet. A coerced smile on television turns into damning evidence of Nick's heartlessness, and a quick selfie on some cougar Samsung Galaxy Note explodes in everyone's faces. With the help of Usain Bolt and the entire country of Jamaica, Nick gains control of the narrative. A guy admitting that he's a gigantic asshole on television, people empathize with that. The media immediately switches gears, playing up Nick's redemption angle like a flugelhorn played upwards. They hated me, now they love me. The truth doesn't matter. All that matters is a good story. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm... By the way, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not a Ben Affleck fan, but this seems like a good role for him. He, he plays this kind of like a... a kind of like personality-less person. The power of the narrative is proven by the film's impact on the viewer, which is mostly me, but also you. For the first half of the film, the audience is lulled into trusting Amy, who is presented as a beautiful, erudite woman from a good family with no history of heart disease. Amy's story has the indicia of truth, as it is presented through her diary, which is like a Tumblr with zero followers, and therefore has no incentive to lie. When Amy turns out to be not only not dead, but a zany, adorable prankster, we realize we have been manipulated by our expectations, except that I didn't get to be manipulated because someone ruined it for me. Huh. Telling someone there's a twist counts as a spoiler, Karen. The title Gone Girl refers to both the disappearance of Amy's physical self and the destruction of her personal identity. Amy spent much of her life trying to live up to others' impossible expectations, namely the amazing version of her that her parents created. I got caught freshman year. She made varsity. And also Harry Potter for some reason. 
The line between Amy's life and the storybook becomes blurred, which is just another cruel reminder of Nick's infidelity. Even Nick's marriage proposal is a performance. A few questions with Nick serving as the journalist and Amy serving as his editorial on tort reform. My colleagues tell me that you are not yet married. Is that correct? No. Indeed, the men in Amy's life take over her identity just as her parents did before them, and her children will long after she's dead. When Amy meets Nick, she believes that she must become Cool Girl in order to win him over. Cool Girl is hot. Cool Girl is gay. Cool Girl is fun. Cool Girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin, loving manner and then presents her mouth for fucking. But Amy doesn't want to be cool. She wants to be a weirdo. She equates the sacrifice of her true personality to murder, the most heinous of all metaphorical crimes. He took and took from me until I no longer existed. That's murder. Later, Barney expresses his own vision of who Amy should be, telling her she should suit up. Decent clothes. There's a gym overlooking the lake. The sooner you look like yourself, the sooner you'll feel like yourself. We might as well equate that to murder, too, while we're at it. Ultimately, Amy's personality becomes so distorted that nobody knows who the real Amy is, including herself. But I think we've all been there, right? No? No one else with dissociative identity disorder? Just me? And me. Oh, good. <laughs> at least there's two of us. For Earthling Cinema, we're Garrick's Wormyoid. And I want to tell you about another dope channel you should know about, called All Me. All Me is home to mind-blowing shows, including Man at Arms, Super Fan Builds, Epic How To, and more. Click here to visit their channel page and subscribe. And be sure to check out their DIY prop shop episode, Building Harley Quinn's Hammer from Scratch. <laughs> oh, snap! All right, y'all, enough for me. It's time for me to get gone. Goodbye. Loves pregnant women. Early on, the film introduces the idea that people can be easily pigeonholed. Corn-fed salt of the earth misery guy. Which is a tasty bit of foreshadowing, since Amy is a professional pigeonholer. I write personality quizzes for magazines. Just like a child with too much Play-Doh, the media molds Amy and Nick into a perfect wife. She was so innocent. And a full-fledged monster. The hallmark of a sociopath. Making a mess all over the living room carpet. A coerced smile on television turns into damning evidence of Nick's heartlessness, and a quick selfie on some cougar Samsung-y note explodes in everyone's faces. With the help of Usain Bolt and the entire country of Jamaica, Nick gains control of the narrative. A guy admitting that he's a gigantic asshole on television, people empathize with that. The media immediately switches gears, playing up Nick's redemption angle like a flugelhorn played upwards. They hated me, now they love me. The truth doesn't matter. All that matters is a good story. All of a sudden I feel like I'm out of law and order episode. The power of the narrative is proven by the film's impact on the viewer, which is mostly me but also you. For the first half of the film, the audience is lulled into trusting Amy, who is presented as a beautiful, erudite woman from a good family with no history of heart disease. Amy's story has the indicia of truth, as it is presented through her diary, which is like a Tumblr with zero followers, and therefore has no incentive to lie. When Amy turns out to be not only not dead, but a zany, adorable prankster, we realize we have been manipulated by our expectations, except that I didn't get to be manipulated because someone ruined it for me. Telling someone there's a twist counts as a spoiler, Karen. The title Gone Girl refers to both the disappearance of Amy's physical self and the destruction of her personal identity. Amy spent much of her life trying to live up to others' impossible expectations, namely the amazing version of her that her parents created. I got caught freshman year. She made varsity. And also Harry Potter for some reason. 
The line between Amy's life and the storybook becomes blurred, which is just another cruel reminder of Nick's infidelity. Even Nick's marriage proposal is a performance. Few questions. With Nick serving as the journalist and Amy serving as his editorial on tort reform. My colleagues tell me that you are not yet married. Is that correct? No. Indeed, the men in Amy's life take over her identity just as her parents did before them, and her children will long after she's dead. When Amy meets Nick, she believes that she must become cool girl in order to win him over. Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin, loving manner and then presents her mouth for fucking. But Amy doesn't want to be cool. She wants to be a weirdo. She equates the sacrifice of her true personality to murder, the most heinous of all metaphorical crimes. He took and took from me until I no longer existed. That's murder. Later, Barney expresses his own vision of who Amy should be, telling her she should suit up. Decent clothes. There's a gym overlooking the lake. The sooner you look like yourself, the sooner you'll feel like yourself. We might as well equate that to murder, too, while we're at it. Ultimately, Amy's personality becomes so distorted that nobody knows who the real Amy is, including herself. But I think we've all been there, right? No? No one else with dissociative identity disorder? Just me? And me. Oh, good. <laughs> At least there's two of us. For Earthling Cinema, we're Garrick's Wormuloid. And I want to tell you about another dope channel you should know about, called All Me. All Me is home to mind-blowing shows, including Man at Arms, Super Fan Builds, Epic How To, and more. Click here to visit their channel page and subscribe. Okay. And be sure to check out nice. their DIY prop shop episode, Building Harley Quinn's Hammer. Okay, um... Right. Let's see. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Jason Momoa reacts to Lisa, Lisa Bonet getting back with her ex. Back with that Lenny Kravitz? That's awesome. I like Lenny Kravitz better. So he did her a favor by cheating on her. Let's see if this works. Skipad, man. Nick and Amy will be gone, but then we never really existed. Nick loved a girl I was pretending to be. Cool girl. Men always use that, don't they? As their defining compliment. She's a cool girl. Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin, loving manner and then presents her mouth for fucking. She likes what he likes, so evidently he's a vinyl hipster who loves fetish manga. If he likes girls gone wild, she's a mall babe who talks for a while and endures buffalo wings at Hooters. When I met Nick then, I knew he wanted a cool girl. And for him, I'll admit, I was willing to try. I waxed her my pussy raw. I drank canned beer watching Adam Sandler movies. I ate cold pizza and remained a size two. I blew him semi-regularly. I lived in the moment. I was fucking game. I can't say I didn't enjoy some of it. Nick teased out in me things I didn't know existed. 
and lightness, a humor, an ease. But I made him smarter, sharper. I inspired him to rise to my level. I forged the man of my dreams. We were happy pretending to be other people. We were the happiest couple we knew. And what's the point of being together if you're not the happiest? But Nick got lazy. He became someone I did not agree to marry. He actually expected me to love him unconditionally. Then he dragged me, penniless, to the navel of this great country and found himself a newer, younger, bouncier, cool girl. I'd let him destroy me and end up happier than ever? No fucking way. He doesn't get to win. She's a cute, charming, salt-of-the-earth Missouri guy. He needed to learn. Grown-ups work for things. Grown-ups pay. Grown-ups suffer consequences. Right. Okay. That was the uh, the uh, trailer, I guess. Um, breaking all our emotions. Sponsored by Squarespace. Hi, she lied. James Franco confirms affair with Amber Heard. Jada Pinkett speaks on rumors of her being pregnant with another man's child after the Oscars. Celebrities who tried to warn us about Whoopi Goldberg, Jennifer Aniston, and Hugh Hefner. What does that mean? Honest trailers, Gone Girl movie, everything you need to know. Relaxtopia movie recaps. Today I'm going to show you a psychological thriller film called Gone Girl. Nick and Amy Dunn were the happiest couple they knew until they were. In the middle of their rocky marriage, the rich and beautiful Amy goes missing and all the evidence points to her seemingly unbothered husband, Nick. With his wife lying against him, Nick slowly strokes her hair. He thinks about cracking her skull, unspooling her brains to get answers. On the day of his fifth anniversary, Nick visits the bar, which he co-owns with his twin sister Marga. He asks for a glass of bourbon then with a sour mood, tells her what day it is. Marga was never a big fan of Amy so like Nick, she isn't enthusiastic about the anniversary, either. Sometime in the past, Amy was writing about how happy she was on her diary. She met the witty and charming Nick at a party in New York. Nick tried to convince her that he's not just fooling around with her. Amy doesn't believe him, saying that his chin makes him look villainous. In response, Nick covers his chin before promising that he really is serious with her. While they're walking past a bakery, the two of them get covered in sugar and Nick tells her that she can't go through a sugar storm unkissed. He wipes some of the sugar off her lips, then kissed her softly. Back to the present, Margot asks Nick if Amy will do another one of their anniversary treasure hunts. Since the riddles tend to be about her, she gets mad at Nick when he doesn't know the answer. He then receives a call from his neighbor, informing him that his cat is outside their house. This prompts him to go home to bring the cat back in. 
Once he's home, Nick calls for Amy only to receive no response. While looking for her, he finds their living room table flipped over with the glass completely shattered. When Detective Rhonda Boney and Officer James Gilpin arrive, they start their investigation immediately. Though everything looks normal at first, Rhonda sees a small splatter of blood in the kitchen. She marks it and James gives Nick a suspicious look. They then go to Amy's office next and through the poster there, Rhonda discovers that Amy Elliott Dunn is the main character of the popular children's book, Amazing Amy. In Amy's next diary entry, she wrote about getting married. She and Nick were at her parents' party to celebrate the next installment of the book where Amazing Amy was going to get married. <laughs> Bitter and jealous, Amy comments about how the book's material was just an improved version of her own inadequacies. As she explains during an interview with a group of reporters, Amazing Amy was always one step ahead of her. To her delight, Nick joined in on the interview to propose. In present day, Nick's brought to the police station for questioning. Despite the increasing crime and drug problems in the city, he appears laid back about his wife's disappearance, even cracking a joke or two. The more Nick gets questioned, the clearer it becomes that he doesn't pay attention to his wife. He doesn't know what she does all day, if she has any friends, or what her blood type is. Rhonda's frustration peaks when she finds out that Nick hasn't even called Amy's parents yet and she makes him invite them to the press conference tomorrow. In another diary entry, Nick and Amy were two years into their marriage. They were happy, marriage didn't feel like work like others said it would. Nick knew her inside out. He could answer her treasure hunt riddle with ease, and he even got her the same present she got him as an anniversary gift. Continuing with the investigation, Rhonda had sent the forensic team over to inspect the Dunn household, leaving Nick to stay the night at Margot's place. A pregnant Noel Hawthorne approaches Rhonda and she claims to be Amy's best friend. Rhonda's surprised by this and she agrees to meet her later before heading inside the house. They find their first clue in Amy's underwear drawer in the form of a note, literally labeled as Clue 1. During the conference, Nick delivers his plea for the people's help in a stiff and uncaring manner. While the reporters swarm Amy's parents Rand and Mary Beth with questions, Nick is told to stand next to Amy's missing poster and smile. He passively obliges. After the press conference, Rhonda asks Nick about the clue she found in Amy's belongings. Nick knows the answer to the riddle and he takes her to his office in the school he's teaching in. There, Nick finds the second clue while Rhonda spawns a pair of red-hot underwear. Nick looks rather troubled and he directs Rhonda's attention back to the clue. The second one mentions a little brown house, which Nick claims he doesn't know. Later that evening, Nick goes to his father's old house. Nobody lives there anymore since his father now spends his days in a nursing home. He finds the third clue there and hides it from Rhonda who he suspects is following him. Once inside his car, Nick reads the third clue and in his frustration, he curses his wife before hitting the steering wheel. For Amy's next diary entry, she described the recession that left the two of them jobless. While Amy was supportive of Nick, he got upset when he discovered that Amy let her parents take most of her trust fund without telling him. While he ended up assuring her that it was fine, he later used that incident to justify his excessive spending. In the middle of a brewing argument with her, he received a call from Marco about their ailing bull and he directs Rhonda's attention back to the clue. The second one mentions a little brown house, which Nick claims he doesn't know. Later that evening, Nick goes to his father's old house. Nobody lives there anymore since his father now spends his days in a nursing home. 
He finds the third clue there and hides it from Rhonda, who he suspects is following him. Once inside his car, Nick reads the third clue and in his frustration, he curses his wife before hitting the steering wheel. For Amy's next diary entry, she described the recession that left the two of them jobless. While Amy was supportive of Nick, he got upset when he discovered that Amy let her parents take most of her trust fund without telling him. While he ended up assuring her that it was fine, he later used that incident to justify his excessive spending. What? In okay, anyway, 10 seconds. Uh, wear a mask. Uh, call Congress and demand criminal indictments. And uh, be good.